I am, even your health will be telling you stories that you don't want to hear. No, we want to have the hair, but it doesn't exist, so we have to clean it up. I mean, you wake up in the morning, I like to play sports, but these days, it's like this one is hurting and that one is hurting. I mean, it's like, it is my bones determining what I do now. I'm handsing up. It's like it's distressing. But uh, the young ones can't relate to any of this because I couldn't even relate to it before. But now I am. I, I thank God I'm still alive to even experience that. But we, hey, you can be distressed. Now, many of us are going, we used to go to a funeral for our great-grandparents. Then we start going for our, 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 our parents. Now, these days, we're going for funeral for our, our, you know, our friends. And, you know, the next one is me. But, you know, you can't go to your own funeral. <laughs> but, hey, you see, death can frighten the living daylight out of us. And some of you young ones are going, oh, no, no, you see, I haven't gotten there yet, man. You know, I'm still young. You go check out the street. The percentage of young people that die is just almost as uh, the old, too. But what are we going to do? Let's look at a man called Lot and a man called Paul. Yes! Are we all together? Come on, come on, come on. I know we're all tired, but let's get a Bible here. Okay, let, let's start with Lot. Lot was distressed. Yet he remained passive. Second Peter. Let's go to Second Peter chapter two. Okay. I'm going to read it from verse uh, six. But basically, God is uh, uh, teaching a lesson here. But let me just read it, and then we can make some sense of it. It says, "If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning the." them to ashes and made them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. And if he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. If this is so, then the Lord knows how to rescue godly men for trial, uh, for, uh, from trials and to hold the un- unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. See, that passage is just highlighting the fact that God knows how to deliver victory and justice. Sometimes we see, how does wicked people get away with so much? The ones who defraud people, look at how they're living, but I mean, they're so wicked. The ones who do this, we're baffled that, why is God letting, God is saying, no, 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 don't even think that. God knows how to bring justice. And he knows how to bring victory. But the encouraging thing is that how he brings victory, that in a whole city, Sodom and Gomorrah, because of the way they are living and they were destroyed, There was one human being God saw. His name is Lot. He says God dropped everything to make sure he rescued him. You see, if there was nobody else in the world, God would do everything to save you and I. If we were the only people who are really seeking him, he would still give his son Jesus Christ to die for us. You see, Lot was the only one who is making an effort 
And the thing we are seeing here is that it's not saying that Lot is a perfect man. He's a sinless man. Being righteous is being faithful to God. It's apart from being sinless. But because of his faith in God, that he is willing to trust God. God says, I will do anything. I will rescue him from the danger. And so the message is that God knows how to bring victory. If you haven't experienced victory in your own life, God is saying, I have got it. All we need to do is to cash into it. Are we together in that? And that's why many of us become a Christian so that we can be able to really experience the joy and the fullness of life. And if you are visiting or you are not yet in a relationship with God, I really want to urge you to examine your life. It's not about the things we do. It's about what is sin doing in your life. Are you feeling enslaved? Jesus is the solution. And it's, I mean, God's desire is for you to look into his word and begin to gain faith. Because faith is our victory. Are we all together in that? And so Lord did that. But here's the thing. Lord was, even though the Bible says he was tormented in his soul. But he was passive because his heart was buried in the world and in the lifestyle and the choices he was making in his heart was very much like the Sodomites that he was living amongst. So even though he didn't engage in their sin, but his heart was really fully on. And that's why sometimes if God may have saved us, washed us, but our heart is still battling with what we're going to do with sin instead of letting it go. Let's look at the real story in Genesis chapter 13 and then be able to see how did Lot get to this point where he remained passive even though he was being distressed. You know, have you ever been distressed and almost like you're feeling paralyzed? I don't know what to do. I've been in those situations. But, and that's what like, how did Lot get to that? In, in Genesis chapter 13, let's just quickly read. It gives us, and then we just uh, discuss a few things about this. It says, in verse 10, Lot looked up and saw that the whole plain of Jordan was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt towards Zohar. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of Jordan and set out towards east. The two men, that's Abraham and Lot, parted company. Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tent near Sodom. Now, the men of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. What is happening here was God has called Abraham to leave his people in Ur. And he took his uh, nephew, Lot, along with him. And they, they trusted God that he has this plan and the promised land to give them. Now they have reached this place. And you see, from nothing, they left everything. God has now blessed them. They've become rich and good things was happening. And you know, along with good things comes trouble. 
They started bickering with each other and it's like, oh, well, his uh, Lord's servants are arguing with uh, Abraham's servant. Whoa, is this our own part? You get away and selfishness. And so Abraham decided, listen, it's not good for us. You know, all these things was given to us by God. Why are we playing? Go ahead, Lord. Pick any which place you want. Take it. And I will take whatever you leave. Guess what? Lord looked, didn't he? He said, whoa! He saw this land. He says, it's luscious. Mm. Oh man, this is beautiful. Water is flowing. Everything is just, oh, oh, better life. Everything, wonderful. Abraham, this is mine. He wasn't worried about which one is left for Abraham. Don't worry, Abraham. You told me to pick. I've taken it. But you see, he's looking at all the blessings, all the wonderful things, physical. But he's forgotten the city just beside where these wonderful things are. Sodom. He's forgotten what they're up to. In his mind, you could have imagined him go, oh, well, you know, it's like, I know they're all evil, but me, I've made up my mind, man. I'm sold out for Jesus. I'm not going to get involved like they're getting involved. I know my limit. Yeah. So it's okay for me to stay here. In fact, I've got a mission from God. So I will go there. In fact, I'll be a missionary and I can convert them too to the Lord. You know how it is? In our heart, when we've made our choices already, and then we try and sugarcoat it with some spirituality. But in the beginning, there wasn't any God playing any God's role there. It's just what we're seeing. Now think about it. Some of us are pitching our tent in Sodom. We are offered this job. Oh! (laughs) This is... They're going to pay me more promotion. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. But we haven't thought, how is, what is this going to do to me spiritually? He was totally asleep to the spiritual consequences that's going to happen to him. See, three things really stand out. The first is the bad choice he made. All his eyes was just glued on the promises of the land neglecting the indifference and and he was so apathetic to the lifestyle that was going to influence him. He exposed his family in such a way that his wife, his children's life were destroyed. See, today, we've got to ask ourselves, what are you exposing your family to? We can use all our energy working so we can materially provide for them, but Whose character are they picking up? Are you even there? Sometimes we say, oh yeah, I'm not an absent father or not an absent mom. But we're sitting in the same house. But we're not even spending time to pass on our conviction or what we believe. Nobody knows. I mean, Lot, he was tormented. The other thing about it, you know, you've got to look at this thing. Is that sometimes we see the pleasures, we see the wonderful thing. And as I said before, people can say, we can say, oh, I can handle it. I know my limits. And sometimes we say, oh, how close can I get? You know, it's like, I will get this close, but it's not too much. He started further away. But little by little, he started pitching his tent close by, close by, and it's right at the edge. 
he was receiving such influence and he's very, uh, you know, influential in Sodom. And he could compare himself, his life, and feel, well, you know, I'm not like this guy, but, hey, you know, I just got to keep myself clean. He's keeping himself clean. It's such selfishness and greed driving it all. It's all about him. He didn't even care where's Abraham. All he saw is what me, 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 greed. I want to ask you today, where are you? What is really distressing you? See, the things that was distressing him is not necessarily what was happening in Sodom. But Satan has brought a battle inside of his own soul. Like I was watching that nasty piece of video and I was just getting ticked off by them. But I had to start looking in my own life. What are the things I'm also being numbed out by life? You see, we get so absorbed in the daily life, we forget. You know what God commands to do when you're distressed with those kind of things? The Bible says, flee from sin. Put to death whatever belongs to your sinful nature. Does so, a lot remind you of someone doing that? No, no, no. Okay, I will just watch my step. I had a similar situation, you know, growing up. You know how you, you, it is, you, you see fire and you know, fire will burn you. But you know, no, no, <laughs> I know how to control it. You know, I, I grew up in, in Nigeria. And sometimes we use candle <clears throat> because there's no electricity. And, uh, you know, it's like you can be playing with that candle and, you know, oh, I, I, I'm not touching it. And they're telling me, don't touch, don't touch. I grabbed it. I said, I've got a steady hand. You don't know. And then I'm holding it. But it's not the fire that did anything to me. But the melted candle started running down. You see, I was so, my eyes was caught up on the light. And, oh, yes, I'm keeping my hand off the fire. But when those melted candles really wrap your hand, you can throw away the, the, the candle. But this thing is burning inside. See, that is what sin does to us. Our eyes can be looking at people who are the big sinners. But our own sin is really grinding us. Our double motives. Are we all together? Yes. So, bad choices. It's dangerous, isn't it? But also the hypocrisy and the duplicity. Do you know that Lot's children didn't even know Lot's conviction? Because the Bible says that God who sees his heart is seeing him tormented every day. He's tormented, distressed, but he has learned to smile to his family. <laughs> Everything is fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, brothers, great. So everybody around, he's faking it. He's telling them all his work because otherwise his kid will start saying, why are you so distressed and miserable? But he learned to hide it. See, sometimes as Christians, we become expert and self-righteous and know just hide what we truly feel inside and then put on the front and you see we are robbing ourselves from the victory that God wants to give us God says expose let me clean you let me empower you by the Holy Spirit do you want God's victory let's claim it let's not be passive to what sin and Satan is doing in our life and then the final thing is like he learned to trade sin for sin. What am I talking about? Lot knew that some sins are evil. You see, the people in Sodom, at one time he had a guest in his house. The people in Sodom came and decided, we, he had men with him. The people came and said, we want to have sex with the men visitors you got. Do you know what Lot said? 
No way. How can you think of such an evil thing to do? I have a solution. Here are my two daughters. You can gang rape them. Hmm? He is looking at having sex with a man, man with men, as so evil. But that is nothing compared with his own daughters being offered to be gang raped by the mom. And we look at it, whoa! Imagine what it would have done to those children. They're watching their own father offer them to be raped by this mob so that the mob wouldn't uh, 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 rape the men. See, sometimes we categorize sin. We look at the Holocaust. What an evil people they were. But we're repeating the same Holocaust because sin has a grip on all of us. I want to ask you, which one are you trading? Some of us, oh no, no immorality for me. But you're flirting at work. Oh no, 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 no. I've given up this. I've repented of sin. You're still listening to gossip. They come to find you. Why are you finding you? Are we all together in that? Okay. Slander. All kinds of things. Please let's search our hearts. Are we happy? Let's look at Saul. I think I've done enough for this one. What about Saul? Let's turn to Acts chapter 17. Are we happy? Amen. It is for victory that God has, you know, he has won the victory. We don't have to do a thing. It's for us to come clean, run from sin, expose so he can clean and empower us. But look at Saul in Acts chapter 17. And we'll read it quickly and then we start. It's been a long day. Amen. From verse 16 he says, this was Paul. Paul is traveling through Europe and uh, he, he, he was in Berea with the brothers and then he had to leave. Uh, and then he went to, on his own, he was in uh, Athens, Why the brothers are, are coming over later. But, so we pick it up from verse 16. He says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler talking about, uh, trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing such strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the, and the foreigners who live there spend their, life, their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Isn't it a wonderful city? It's almost like London. And I'm sure in Birmingham. Everybody is talking about the latest idea. Oh, what is the latest religion? What is the new fad? Yes. Oh, I'm an atheist. I'm an agnostic. Oh, this is religion. Oh, I follow this one. I follow that one. Oh, yes. Everybody has got their own branch. 
But no religion sets anybody free from sin. It's just mere talk. It's just man's way of trying to reach out to God. But it doesn't deal with sin. Jesus is the only one who washes sin. So even if we follow Christian religion, it doesn't save us. There is Paul, he was in a city. You know what is distressing him? How can there be so many billions of religion? Everybody's doing their own. And I mean, it's like, whoa, why can't God just stop it and make everybody believe in him? Have you ever thought that? See, when I was confronted with the gospel about repenting of my sin and how to become a Christian, I realized there's only one way, and the way I was doing it and uh, teaching other people was not the right way. Instead of really looking at my sin and getting an opportunity to be washed, I started wondering, man, there's so many people lost. And that started dis- discouraging me because, whoa, all these ministers and all this, and what about the Muslims, what about the pygmies, what about, oh, oh, oh. We can be drawn thinking about all the people who are lost. Paul was distressed at how lost the world was, but he never got paralyzed. He did something about it. By the amount of work, we can look at the work that needs to be done. All these people need saving. But it's not our work to do. It's God's work. We're only joining God. But we know, like Paul, he knew that Jesus was the solution. You see? Sometimes we think, oh, men are going to hell because God is condemning. No, 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 no. Men, nobody is going to hell because they're following a particular religion. Did you know that? No one is going to hell because they are following a particular religion. Men go to hell because of their own sin. We put ourselves in condemnation. We only attach ourselves to one religion hoping that that we make up for the evil that is going on. We follow different ways. So I want to appeal to all of us, please let's really know what the real issue is. Paul was distressed, but he didn't sit down and get paralyzed. You walk into a campus, and you are the only disciple there. You walk into a company, you are the only disciple there. What do you do? Oh, where do I even start? Oh, but it's such a joy to see how much our disciples are changing. In around, in North London, and so, you see people who start work, they're looking for, okay, where's the you know, cafeteria? Maybe we can have a Bible discussion together. I mean, people moving to a new neighborhood. Oh, can we have, you know, we have this couple who just moved in and they're trying, I mean, from Singapore, they're trying to find a place to stay. And as soon as they find a place, oh, wow, we're near the tube station. Can we have a Bible discussion? We just started a Bible discussion. They don't even know their next, the next street to them, but they started a Bible discussion. And, you know, from knowing nobody, their house is buzzing with new people, neighbors, who are now looking into the Bible. That's what we see from Paul. Paul knew that Jesus was the answer, so he was proactive. He wasn't passive, he was proactive, reaching out to people, and that's why we're even excited with this uh, new campaign. Just to, I mean, every time now, going, going past some tube station, you don't even know who is going to be. You're seeing disciples sharing their faith, people studying the Bible in every co- uh, different coffee bars. It's like, whoa, God has given us to really share the Bible with people. I want to ask you. What are you doing when you look at the world, the fact that they're, they're gripped in sin? Do you get paralyzed and do nothing? Or do you, like Paul, let's get up and do something. Let's close out by reading 
this passage, which really wraps up both this in Romans chapter 13. We've just finished studying the book of Romans, and it's a powerful book to get your heart. And it really captures what we've just been I'm going to read it in a message translation. Because, and I really pray that you can really listen to it as Paul really shares this thing. He says in verse 11, are you older? He says, but make sure that you don't get so absorbed and exhausted in taking care of all your day-by-day obligations that you lose track of the time and doze off, oblivious to God. The night is about over. Dawn is about to break. Be up and awake to what God is doing. God is putting the finishing touches on this salvation work he began when he first, when we first believed. We cannot afford to waste a minute. Must not squander these precious daylight hours in frivolity and indulgence. In sleeping around and dissipation. In bickering and grabbing everything in sight. Give me those over time. Give me that one there. Get out of bed and get dressed. Don't loiter and linger. Waiting until the very last minute. Dress yourself in Christ. Be up and about. I believe that sums up what God is saying. The victory has been won. Let's be up and awake. Not dozing off like Lot. Oblivious to what sin is doing around us and ruining our family. You cannot doze off spiritually and hope that the issue will disappear when you wake up. We are losing our, our wives and children and many people. And finally, let's be up and about like Paul. Let's not be distressed and sit down, but let's be proactive. Let's really make use of daylight hour. Are we all together in that? Whatever you save and did not offer to God, that thing is going to keep you away from God. But God wants us to have the victory. It's won. Let's go and claim it. May God bless you. Amen. Thank you so much, uh, Charles, for that message. We have one final song to close out. There is a new Jerusalem. Please let's stand. And we'll sing uh, the new Jerusalem.